doesn't matter how old you are when you're skateboarding you get injured and there's times where you're just pretty much benched and having a tech deck welcome to the finger space podcast a weekly show where we will dive deep into the history stories and controversies surrounding the fingerboarding community hey what is going on everybody you are listening to another episode of the finger space podcast and joining us today is the one and only Fingerboard plug from SoCal, California, Mr. Bert, aka Mescal FBS. Bert, how you doing? Hey, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on here. Of course, it's an honor. It's a pleasure. And um, just just to preface this, for for those of you that don't know, Bert is actually the man that turned me pro, and he is my current sponsor. So just getting out of the way, Bert. Thank you for that. I don't know if I ever thanked you. No problem, man. It's an it's an honor to have you on. Ever since I, I met you and we, we were talking and you, you were asking me about making decks and stuff like that, just from our conversations, I got that you were a really awesome person. I just knew I needed somebody like you on the team. So I'm actually pretty honored to have you on. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Today's conversation isn't about me. We want it to be all about you. We want to learn about you, the brand and all that kind of stuff. The first thing that I, that I really want to ask you that I don't know if we've ever really talked about in depth is... How did you get into fingerboarding? Because I know you're a big skating guy. Well, I actually got into fingerboarding because of Tech Deck back when I was in high school. So that was my way of, of um, being into that because, you know, doesn't matter how old you are. When you're skateboarding, you get injured. And there's times where you're just pretty much benched and having a Tech Deck around really kind of filled in that the gaps for when I did get injured, when I couldn't be skating, when I had to actually be home resting. I couldn't, you know... Either I couldn't walk or I dislocated my shoulder, something like that. So that was that. But I didn't know that, that there was a bigger industry behind it. It just seemed like somebody, there's a company out there that decided to make this a toy. And lucky for me that I found it. But I didn't know that this the whole Berlin Wood, Black River, all that stuff existed. So what year was it when you got into tech decks and, and tech decking and that whole kind of crazy phase? Well, like 99, 2000. So the early days, early, early days. Yeah. Man, so what was that like as a skater and then seeing these miniature skate toys come out? What was that kind of like, the culture with it? The mentality was like typical, you know, like, oh, you were getting, you probably either getting made fun of or weren't taken seriously if you were seen with one. Really? So it was kind of like, uh, oh, you're you're a geek, a nerd type of thing. Like, yeah, yeah. You're being if you were about skateboarding, you'd be out there skateboarding, not playing around. I see. I mean, it was it was a different story. Like, yeah, if you were in class, you were goofing around with it, and you know, it was one thing. But to be out and about and not be not have foot to skateboard and not be jumping off of something, it was just like, oh, okay, so you just like playing with toys then. So it was it's not kind of like how it is now. Not at all. So that was in the early 2000s. And when did you make that first transition into discovering the world of fingerboarding as we know today? That was pretty much thanks to Instagram. Because the whole time that I was from 1999 till the end of 2016, I didn't know stuff. that I didn't see that culture. I didn't see that industry anywhere. And I was a UPS driver for like over 10 years. And I'm surprised I didn't run into these companies or... Uh, you know, see any of this stuff. So that's why I was always stuck with going to Target and going to Walmart to see if, the, if Tech Deck by any chance came out with something new. And then when I got injured at UPS, I, I ended up having time to be on the internet and stuff. So that's when 
Instagram came up, one of the very first wooden fingerboards that I saw on Instagram was the Crayola from uh, Devise. And that was like, whoa, you know, because I was like, oh, somebody's actually taking the time to make these things out of wood now. That's pretty cool. And then, you know, the more you dig into it, the more you start to see, oh, there's more than one company. There's this and that. And it started getting crazy. And I started to kind of wonder, like, well, I remember when I first started using Tech Decks, I remember in, in my head thinking like, man, imagine in the future if these things really had bearings in them. Imagine if the wheels were made out of the same material as the skateboard wheels. Imagine if the trucks were, were better built. I was just thinking all these things back when I was still playing with Tech Deck in the beginning. And it's what, 16 years later, 17 years later, it came. Yeah, I, I, I see that it's this massive industry going on out there. And that, that must have been crazy to literally, you, you, you grow up, you live your adult life, flash forward 15, 16, 17 years later, and everything you had thought of or wish you could have had back then is quite literally a reality. Yeah, very much so. So that was, that was in late 20, 2016. When did Mescal come to life and you being Bert, but being most importantly, the plug, when did that come into play? When did all of that come into fruition? almost immediately because it wasn't me so much wishing what if in the future it comes out. It was, what if it was me who did all this stuff? So when I started seeing all these companies and going, Oh, okay. I started watching videos on how to, how to make decks and this, you know, doing my due diligence, doing the research and realizing that it is possible that you, you don't have to be superhuman or, you know, you this is something that, that anybody could do. Yeah. And so that's why I said, you know, as long as I apply myself, as long as I'm not goofing around or, or taking it lightly, then this is, this is doable. And so I started doing the research, started put, putting money into uh, materials, molds. And then, you know, at the same time, I was thinking I didn't want to just do one thing. I, I wanted, because when I was a kid, I wanted, well, you know, when you're a kid and you're skating, you're, you're not thinking you're going to own anything. You're like, well, I, at least I wish I could work at, work at a skate shop. But the dream was, well, I wish I could own my own skate shop. And now with miniature uh, some skateboards, well, I could own the skate shop without having to own a warehouse or an actual, you know, renting a place out. I could start now. I could start doing this. And the thing was that it wasn't about so much like, oh, I'm going to make a dollar off of this. It was a dream. So it's, it goes beyond that dollar amount. It goes into, oh, what can I offer the people once I start doing this? Or what? who's out there? Who can I work with that's going to make this happen? Because I know... One company is always in one place. One company isn't everywhere across the country unless it's a corporation. So I'm here on the West Coast thinking, well, what can I do for the West Coast? Or what can I do for whatever area that I can reach and provide them with the best, with the best products, good service, all of that stuff. And it's like I said, it went beyond the dollar amount. Man, that is absolutely true. And, and uh, what I'm about to say isn't just because, you know, you're my sponsor or a good friend of mine, but what you say about bringing value to the people, especially in the community is very, very true. I mean, you are one of the hardest working individuals I know in the fingerboarding scene, especially down there in California with the pop-up events that you do, inviting people over to your own house, dragging these giant parks around for people to play on for free, just because you want to build a community and let people experience that around you. Um, can, can you touch a little bit on these pop-up events that you do and, you know, they've, they've, they've gone to be quite successful down, down in that area. Yeah, the, well, the thing with pop-ups is, is the general idea of the event. I understand that there's, there's an industry, the, the industry existed long before I came into it and respect due to the pioneers. 
and, you know, respect to, to their hustle and what has worked for them and for the community as far as when they schedule their stuff. That's all on them, respect to them. And I just felt like I could do something else besides just attend the events. I could fill in the gaps because I know from experience that throwing a major event, it takes a lot of hard soul and finance to do it. So something small, like something like this, where I go, or I go to the people, you know, I'm not expecting them to come to me or, you know, and, I, and I'm also doing them for free because just to get them, get people, also people who don't know about it. How is, how is somebody who doesn't know about fingerboarding going to be interested in paying an admission fee to something they don't even understand? So that was the other thing behind bringing value with those pop-ups is that people who may have never even heard of it can now come and check it out. And me being there, it's like, well, if you know, you want to check, try out a fingerboard real quick, see if it interests you, you could try it out real quick. If you want to buy some, I also have that too. So it's, it's always about bringing something extra that it was either missing or that was needed. You know, that's, that's the kind of idea behind those events, yeah, at least behind the pop-ups. And then, you know, the major ones is because I feel like we owe it now, especially since you and I made the first Las Vegas event ever in the Sin City Sesh. I feel like we owe it to the community to keep doing it, to show them that it was that that there was heart behind that that event. It wasn't just about popping up real quick and bouncing. Yeah, like you said, it's the you know trying to you filling in a gap for those people that kind of paved the way already down in that area. But kind of just to touch on what you just said about the Sin City Sesh out here in Vegas, and uh, a lot of people I don't think realize the the months of planning that went into throwing that, that event, you know, to, to pioneer something and, and build the community is, is, is really, really nice. But once you do it, it's, it's a thing about keeping it going and keeping people interested, but most importantly is bringing new people in, which is I, what I think that you do best with going out to these skate parks and doing outreach and actually bringing people into what we do. Yes, absolutely. With that being said about the events to, to touch more on, on the mezcal brand and what it means, like what does mezcal itself mean? Like if you can explain to the people the name and kind of how that came to be your brand. There's something that's kind of like really close and personal to me as well. Cause when I started the company, I didn't want to go off of a cliche name or, you know, some hype name that was happening at the moment. I just thought if it's going to be you make it about you, you know, show everyone that you put heart and soul into everything you thought about this and you're not really just out to make a quick book. So mezcal, because the mezcal plant is native to Mexico. I'm, I myself am Mexican. I was born in Mexico, but oh, you know, years of colonization and this and that mixed breeding, it thins our blood from what it was originally. So I know that the mezcal plant can never be not Mexican. It can never be not native to the place, no matter where you take it from. It's always going to be from there. So that's where the name from that came from. So that's, it's solid. And then, I can't say permanent. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's permanent. It's personal. It's, it's real. It's you reflecting, you know, yourself into your brand and, you know, having that pride. Yeah. I think is, it's a wonderful thing. And of course, I mean, for those who don't know, I, I am uh, half Mexican. So, you know, I'm right there with you. So kind of getting back on track with the timeline, uh, 2017, uh, Mescal comes to fruition. What were those early years like? Was there a lot of struggle or were you an overnight success? I'd have to say all everything comes with its own struggles. I mean, I'm not going to say that there weren't bad days. It's kind of like when, um, you know, you were asking me about, about making decks 
And you were asking me if you should, first of all, should you even do it if it's worth it? And I told you, I was, I think I was very honest with you, but I sometimes tend to tell other people that are, you know, not necessarily people that I don't necessarily know like that. I'll tell them, yeah, it's easy. Yeah, it's fun, whatever. But I might be lying to them because there are days where I'm just, well, that wasn't cool. I'm not really feeling the situation or you got to take L's here and there. But then you got to remember like, well, do you really love this? Because when you run into situations, whether other people are involved or not, sometimes certain situations shake you and you're like, oh man, I think I'm done. But then you got to just reach down in your heart and be like, really, you're going to let just, you know, you worked hard to do all this and you're just going to let that take you down? Like, no. So with everything, there's ups and downs. <laughs> Even now there's certain ups and downs, they're just different. The fact that the, that the ups and downs are different now from what they were in the beginning tells me that I've grown as a person, as a company. And um, it was 2017 and 2018, I was on it. And then all of 2019, I took a break to take care of another business. And then I came back in 2020. On 2020, I came back with what I knew from 2017 and 2018. And, you know, it made it even better because I this I feel like 2020 was a year where I, I think Mescal really blew up more than it was because I started to see the the potential in, in growing and, and expanding and all that stuff and how big this could be. Again, goes beyond the dollar amount, but because of the value that I can bring to the community. You know what I mean? Yes, I definitely do know what you mean. And, you know, I, I don't know if you really realize or know, but but you're becoming a household name for for a lot of a lot of individuals, especially in your area. And out here in Vegas, you know, everybody does know you as a plug and everybody knows who Mescal is. Maybe right. they don't know who you are, but they know the brand. Right. And that definitely shows the, the success of your expansion and, you know, the the marketing and the overall success that, that you're having. I would never offer, I would never try to sell anything that I myself don't even believe in. That's the other piece of value that I'm bringing to the community is that I myself wouldn't sell you things that I wouldn't even want to try. Yeah, I know that to be true. And it's, you're being completely honest with that. What I mean, you're very upfront when I know when you get products in that, that you do like, or that you don't like, or, you know, you think they could be better or whatnot or so forth. But I know that everything that you have on the site, you at least have one piece in your collection. Yeah, absolutely which I have to say your, your collection is incredible and yeah. it's fantastic. And if nobody has seen this man's collection, you need to go to his Instagram and, and look at what this man has because it's, it is fantastic, especially for only been doing this for what is it? Four or five years, Bert, I think you may have a buying problem. <laughs> so we are running down the clock here now, but um, you know, is there any last things that you would like to say? Of course, I want you to, to plug yourself, here and let everybody know where they can find you the shop and all that good stuff uh yeah well this link for the site is mescalfbs.bigcartel.com it's always free to look is what i tell people it's always free to look you can come back later and get it at least you know where to come get it from everything i have sets you up real good if you have any questions you're free to dm me on instagram or email me through the website it's probably easier if you it's either way but it's much easier if you dm me Yes. And the Instagram handle is? Mezcal underscore FBS. That's M-E-Z-C-A-L underscore FBS. Perfect, Bert. Well, again, brother, I appreciate having you on. Thank you for everything you do. Thank you for everything that you've done for me and the community. You are one hell of the greatest pioneers, at least in our neck of the woods. And I appreciate you very much.
Thank you so much. Kind, super kind words. And I appreciate you for having me on here and allowing me to uh, voice out, you know, basically like put myself out there and finally on the podcast on what it, is, what it is that I do and what I'm about. Of course, brother. Well, until the next one, take care and we will talk to you later. All right, man. Thank you so much. Peace out. Thank you. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Finger Space Podcast. Thanks for skating by. And don't forget to nosebonk that subscribe button and dark slide on over to our Discord server. This episode was produced by Finger Space Co. and hosted by Nostalgia FB. Big thanks to all guests and listeners.